The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, we do like to update the political agenda for the coming week with the Australian Christian Lobby. Big things continuing to unfold. Let's start with uh, some overwhelming support for the no vote on The Voice and Michelle Pierce, the CEO of the Australian Christian Lobby. Michelle, welcome back to 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Great to be here. Michelle, interesting, isn't it? Um, And you might like to just sort of set up where the Australian Christian Lobby has been through this whole debate because ACL hasn't taken sides and therefore has held a fairly low profile. Uh, Just an explanation perhaps for some listeners uh, on where the ACL's been at with the voice campaign. Sure. I mean, we thought the referendum was a highly divisive issue and we have supporters on both sides and we wanted people to get out there and get informed and educated as to really what what they come to in terms of understanding what this is. I mean, the issues of closing the gap, there are so many ideas and opinions out there in terms of how we're going to close the gap. And The Voice was really one of those ideas of how the government saw that bring, being progressed Um, But the majority of Australians, as we've seen, have said that they don't agree that that particular way is the way forward. But I don't believe that that means that they don't see there's a need to address the issues faced in Indigenous communities. But perhaps they just thought that wasn't the the right way to go about it. So I I think just like the Prime Minister said uh, in his response on Saturday evening is they've just got to double down on their efforts to close the gap. They've got to stay focused on addressing the real needs in the Indigenous communities. I just thought that was an excellent response from him to now be considering the way forward on this, and we support those efforts. And here we are. Now, some are arguing more divided than we were before the campaign began, Uh, but you've got this division between Australians, uh, Indigenous, non-Indigenous. You've got division between uh, even Indigenous communities are divided, and you've got the Christian community too that has been divided over this whole issue. A healing process. What are your thoughts now that there is uh, a overwhelming no vote uh, and there are some who are even in grief at that, what are your thoughts here, Michelle, the thought that there is the necessity for some level of healing to happen between groups in Australia? Sure. I mean, I know that Australians, especially Christians, we're, we're terribly sorry for the injustices that the Indigenous community um, experienced upon colonisation. It's it's absolutely dreadful, some of the things that occurred. There was also some good that occurred in amongst that as well. So I think the priority moving forward is that there's forgiveness. There has to be forgiveness from the Indigenous communities for us to move forward. I know that our heart, you know, especially as Christians, is reconciliation. We want to have, have reconciled relationships. Ultimately, we, we need hearts reconciled to God because God 
God gives us that ability to forgive. And so, yes, we, we need to heal. Um, and we also need to be united on the issues that there needs to be uh, a, a more strategic coordinated efforts into addressing the needs in the Indigenous communities so that we can close the gap and see better health and education outcomes within the Indigenous communities themselves. Is there any heart you take, Michelle, that Aussies have shown on the weekend that they are not afraid to say no in the midst of name-calling and such things and uh, the divisiveness of the debate? Do you think this might even have even potential for a wider effect on, because particularly a lot of the issues that ACL has been battling through uh people have been against and there's been a lot of you'd feel like incremental losses over times but here aussies have not been afraid to say no to some of these things that that develop any any thoughts there is there something you can take from that yeah, I mean, the uh, what we see is the Australian public are sometimes at odds with what the government is trying to progress. Uh, at, at times, the language that the government uses is quite manipulative and, uh, you know, uh, condescending to ordinary Australians. And so I think this is a, a show that Australians aren't afraid to say no. And I don't think they're saying no because, uh, b- because they don't agree that these issues need great focus. But they have an opinion that they don't think that's the way forward and Australians have spoken, they're not afraid to say no. And I think there's a number of issues at the moment where Australians need to continue to say no. Things like the misinformation bill, which has the uh, power to silence the ability of Christians to put their views online. We need to say no to these things. And if there is a referendum, I believe the Australians would say no. Uh, But this is in the hands of the government now. So we just got to continue to say no uh, to power to, to, you know, show that we don't agree or stand and um, by this kind of agenda to silence our ability to have our views. There was some commentary suggesting that one of the, and perhaps there were a number of turning points of people who were uh, initially saying yes, and then they changed their mind to a no. And there's some commentary suggesting uh, that there's some resentment to Qantas when Alan Joyce uh, just chimed into the debate uh, with yes, Uh, emblems all over Qantas aircraft becoming involved in the Yes campaign, in some sense politicising the national carrier. And, of course, there's been a lot of corporate Australia who also decided to jump on board and become political uh, insofar as what they thought was the right way to go, saying yes. Any thoughts here about uh, is there a message here for uh, those companies that are continually uh, jumping onto a woke bandwagon and, and supporting woke policy? Yeah, well, I think it shows that it doesn't work, this corporate agenda. Australians don't like to be backed into a corner and felt forced into a position and they'll retaliate when it comes to referendum time, when it comes to voting time. I really believe that corporates need to stay out of politics. I don't want to be shopping in Big W and and being told how to vote over the loudspeaker. I don't want to be told uh, when I'm taking off and landing in Qantas how to vote or what to believe on a certain issue. Corporates need to get out of politics and I really believe there needs to be reform on this issue to ensure that we can just go about our business without being uh, uh, provoked or forced to uh, listen to certain ideologies. Uh, One of the biggest political winners, you might say, in the campaign uh, is Jacinta Nampajimpa-Price. There are some commentators are saying she's prime minister material because she seems to 
bridge this gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. Uh, she certainly captured the heartbeat of uh, Australians, uh, certainly on the No campaign. Uh, any thoughts there about you know her uh, aspirations for leadership, uh, her qualities as a leader? And if, you know, if some are saying she's Prime Minister material, is that pushing that too far? Uh, what are your thoughts about the way she conducted herself? I think she articulated the issues excellently. She came from a real place of authenticity. She's in touch with Indigenous communities that really are suffering uh, and are experiencing a lot of the issues where the government is attempting to close the gap. So I think that the Prime Minister, current Prime Minister, needs to listen to her, listen to the voices, uh, you know, that have uh, have brought her to that position. You know, her big push is that the government do an inquiry to not speak to the institutions where the, the, the money is given to address closing the gap, but to speak to the people on the ground. And that's been her consistent message. Speak to the people in these communities. How are they being helped? through the government's agenda to close the gap. Uh, so I, I think that message of authenticity really resounded with the Australian public and uh, she, you know, whatever her aspirations are, I think she could do anything because of uh, because of that, that uh, really genuine position she has with, you know, not only Indigenous issues but her love for the entire nation. Uh, let's come back to this issue of healing because people listening to us right now, some will have been on the yes side, uh, some will have been firmly on the no side, some uh, swayed or swung uh, during the campaign. But I do know that uh, ACL even released some points on how we might pray. Uh, in a general sense here, if uh, as Christians who are concerned about uh, healing rifts between Australians, uh, rifts between uh, Indigenous communities, rifts between Christians who are sitting beside one another in church. How are you thinking about uh, ways that we might just uh, bring some level of healing or Christians participating in a healing process? It has to come from a position of humility. I think we're so quick to have opinions, but opinions aren't the answer to this. Our humility and our surrender, you know, before God, our ability just to get on our knees and cry out for our nation, that's what's going to align our heart to the right way to respond and the right way to go about this. And I know in politics, especially Australian Christian lobby, you know, we, we need to have a view on this on the issues that come before us. Uh, however, primarily, the first thing we have to do is humble ourselves before God and cry out for our nation and then move forward with that sense of compassion. Yes, we have a depth of conviction but it has to be uh, with compassion in our hearts for all the people involved and not about uh, the, the taking of sides. Um, more important than opinions is our surrender before Jesus. Uh, let's touch the other really, really big issue that's been unfolding and continues to unfold over this past uh, week or 10 days, and that's the situation in Israel. Uh, ACL has been, again, encouraging Christians to pray for peace in Israel, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, what are your impressions as things are standing right now uh, so far as the conflict? Yeah, I mean, and it's another issue that's causing a lot of division in our nation. And, you know, like I was mentioning before, as Christians, we need to rise above the tendencies in our flesh, you know, that, that, that you know, gets us caught up in the division. Uh, we can't be people that are filled with hate or vengeance. Um, because we know, and this is what encourages me, is at the end, God will be the one to judge in righteousness. And, you know, when I hear of the acts of pure evil, like I'm sure you're reading and hearing about, Neil and, and listeners, you know, we can't even bear to think about some of the, the these atrocities. I, I can't even consider 
what's been done by the Hamas terrorists uh, when you hear of these these terrible atrocities. But I actually find comfort in the fact that uh, that that vengeance isn't actually mine, but vengeance is the is the Lord's. It's His vengeance, and He will judge perfectly. Uh, so those terrorists who have committed these great evils against innocent people, well, we place them in the hands of Almighty God. And that actually gives me me some level of comfort in that, that there will be justice and retribution, but that will come not from our hands, but from the hands of God. And um, for everyday Christian Australians who I know as I am feeling really heavy about the atrocities that they were reading about, we've just got to pray. We've got to pray for the innocent. We've got to pray for a swift end to the conflict. We've got to pray for Christians in the region, you know, to be ministers of the light of Christ. We've got to pray that evil will be overcome. I think that's the right response on this. And um, even with divisions in our own nation, to pray uh, for wisdom in our government and um, and pray that we are able to shine the light of Christ in the midst of all these divisions. It's one thing, isn't it, to be watching an unfolding war on our television screens, uh, but when it overflows onto our streets in Australia and there's been significant controversies over those pro-Hamas protests that have been happening and they happened in a number of different occasions over the weekend, uh, is there any thought here as to how Christians might just be processing and understanding the issues that are at hand? Any thoughts from you? Yeah, I mean, um, it's when we see and read about the atrocities from Hamas, then our hearts should be grieved. Uh, we, we, we should have a sense of righteous anger against what's happening to Israel or the captives that have been taken and the, the brutal ending of life. Uh, so I think in this instant, you know, like I've, I keep on mentioning, we do have to pray. We have to stand with, with Israel at this time as well, uh, who were the ones that were attacked, but to pray for both sides that the innocent, that those that are suffering as a result of the conflict on both sides, that the innocent would be protected, that suffering would cease and there'd be an end to this conflict. Let's touch on some of the other issues that are on the agenda this week, and we might need to go through some of those fairly quickly, but uh, recent amendments to Queensland health guidelines. Uh, how are you reflecting on that? What does all that mean? Yeah, well, um, no, in no doubt, I think this is a response to the many voices who are calling for, for reform in this area. Queensland Health has now recognised the lives of babies born alive after abortions. They've amended their clinical guidelines so their clinical guidelines used to say, do not provide life-sustaining treatment. I mean, when you hear that, it's just shocking. Um, but now it says uh, to provide care appropriate to the individual clinical circumstances and in accordance with best practice guidelines. So this means now that babies who survive abortions are going to be provided the same level of care as prematurely born babies. So this is a real step in the right direction. And we really hope that this now has effect on the bill that's before the Senate the Human Rights Children Born Alive Protection Bill, that they'll bring this on debate, onto debate and actually mandate that every state has these sorts of guidelines to make sure that babies aren't just left to die without any care following an abortion, but they receive exactly the same care as any prematurely baby should. That's human rights, that's equality, and uh, that's what needs to happen. And so we're calling on our supporters still to continue to write to the Prime Minister and to the Senators, encouraging them to pass that bill in the Senate so we can see this around the nation. So that's on our website. 
the challenge there for every single listener to our conversation today to somehow or other, whatever you do, to roll up your sleeves and get involved, uh, whether it's being part of a campaign or even being part of some sort of march on the streets. There's been some marches for babies of recent times. There was one in Melbourne. There was one uh, just the weekend before last in Mackay in Queensland. Uh, These do seem to be gaining in levels of momentum. It says something about what people are prepared to do to make their voice heard. That's right, and I think that they're, they're excellent events to bring people together to, to make a stand for the unborn, particularly now that we have abortion to birth all over Australia. Uh, we don't have protections of babies survive abortions. So, uh, yes, we get we get over 1,000. Sometimes we get over 2,000 at these events, but I really think we need to be doing much better as Christians. Uh, given the number of committed Christians who I know are really concerned about this, you know, we should have at least 5,000 in every state. We need to make a real show that the media can't ignore. Um, so I think that's one of the key agendas. One thing I feel really passionate about is getting around the nation, encouraging people to get along to these events so we can make a stronger show to stand up for the unborn. And acl.org.au and there are all sorts of campaigns that are coming up from the Australian Christian Lobby, those ones that you can link into and participate in in whatever way, including the opportunity to be on the streets when those sorts of marches are happening. Hey, quickly on some other issues, the gender inquiry in Victoria, what are the developments there? Yeah, so a number of concerned citizens have actually put up a petition Um, They're concerned about medical treatment for children and teens who are self-identifying as trender or gender diverse, that they've launched a petition calling on the government to implement an independent inquiry into gender identity services. So their concern is based on the medical treatment protocol. So these are initially designed for adults, but they're being implemented upon children and teens who are being diagnosed puberty blockers. And we know that other nations around the world are limiting these interventions. They're not administering puberty blockers because they're just uncertain about the long-term outcomes and the lack of clarity around it. But treatment is continuing in Australia. Um, In Melbourne Royal Children's Hospital, they've seen over 10 years an 1,100% increase in children on the waiting list for their gender clinic. So um, we need to support this petition and support these efforts to inquire into puberty blockers being given to children, which then leads them down the route of surgery. And um, it's impossible to change genders. uh, And it leaves young people with devastating lifelong consequences. And for the justice of these kids, we need to make a stand. You're getting ready for a meeting with Minister Michelle Rowlands around the issue of age verification of kids accessing all sorts of stuff online. Uh, What's coming up with that meeting? Yep, that's right. We are, uh, I know that Minister Michelle Rowland is concerned that the government uh, has not yet introduced age verification legislation. I know that she's on board with, with having it implemented. So we're there to say, well, when is the government going to put this on the agenda? Uh, back in February 2020, the uh, House of Representatives launched an inquiry and put out a report say, uh, called uh, Protecting the Age of Innocence. And their strong recommendation was to implement age verification technology. Now, three years later that still hasn't happened and we know that children are just one click away from accessing this really harmful kind of material that's addictive that affects the way that they approach their sexuality that they view the opposite sex 
Uh, in the UK, when they're pushing up, when they were pushing for age verification, they cited evidence of the dramatic increase in child-on-child sex abuse that coincides with the access of online pornography. So this is a huge issue. Nothing has been done to to stop kids from accessing this stuff. There are simple simple measures to uh, to verify their age so that they don't they're not able to access these more harmful types of pornographic material so so we've got a meeting with the um, with her office and we're really uh, hoping that that meeting will again uh, show the seriousness of of our desire to have this on the government agenda but also um, continue to alert our supporters to support these efforts as well governments have a way don't they of kicking the can down the road and putting these mm-hmm. things off uh, so uh, all power to you and the team at Australian Christian Lobby and just uh, one more quick uh, issue and I know this is not so much an issue to deal with but ACL is also interested in getting people up to speed to be effective in the ways that they might be really a part of a lobby organisation in their own town, their own community. You've got this uh, this event called The Download, a seven-day Christian worldview program coming up. Uh, what should listeners know about how they can access that download program? Oh, the Download is an excellent opportunity. It's, it's aimed at young Christians, 18 to 25, and the aim is for them to be equipped with the right tools and knowledge to stand firm in their beliefs. You know, we're in the midst of a culture that are believing things that are completely opposed to bi- biblical truths. And not only that, you know, this, these, these uh, opposing, you know, biblically uh, truth views has infiltrated our school education, our universities, the corporate sector, political parties and government institutions. So it's more important than ever that young Christians are solidly grounded in this biblical worldview so that they uh, not only know what the truth is, but they know how to respond to the culture that they'll be working within and how to influence it in a godly way. Uh, You know, it's not just about knowing the right and wrong. It's about understanding what God's heart and intent is towards his creation. And so Download delves into this theology, uh, but also relates that to science and history and the arts and law and politics, all the things that make up our culture. So uh, that will be happening in January, this coming January. And it's a week course from Monday, January 22nd to Sunday, January 28th in Canberra. So we're taking applications up until the end of November. So I encourage anybody who's interested, if you're a parent listening to this, if you're a young person, if you're a church leader, please get this out there. This will change the lives of your young adults. Go to download.org.au for more information. It's an incredible course. Well, download.org.au and uh, you can connect with the Australian Christian Lobby, find out what sort of campaigns they're running, acl.org.au. There's also a website for the Lachlan Macquarie Institute who are running the download, uh, lmi.org.au. But uh, I imagine if you're going to want to register for that, good time today, right now, the, it's called download.org.au. Michelle Pierce is CEO of the Australian Christian Lobby. Michelle, we covered a lot of ground, but thank you so much for taking that time to share those insights with listeners today on 2020. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.